1: Welcome back to the seven five oh. I am your O. Choa. He is your 2 five two-time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and an empty nester once again. The one and only Tony Casillas. Tc. How is life? Uh, with the kids going?
2: Uh, it is. It is marvelous so far. <laughs> so good. Uh, it's been three days into it. Uh, what's funny is that my wife and I will send videos of us and. You know, just, you know, things that we wouldn't do if they were here. So, right. Uh, so, yeah, it's been good. Interesting uh, over the weekend, moving my my son into the fraternity house for the first year. That's an interesting observation. But nevertheless, <laughs> back on campus, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, both of them are off to college to so keep our fingers crossed that they stay there and they're safe and everything else that goes along with that. But yeah,
1: their in- life is back. <laughs> well, that's it's interesting because a year ago at this time you were you were all I I'm I'm be honest. You were all like somber, like I'm an empty oh, yeah. was emotional emotional terrible. Yeah. And and so, but now, you know, now you've you've seen the you know the benefits and the pros and the cons, you know, you got through the first month or whatever was difficult, and then you you've hit the point where you were like, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> like, I, I got can to the do it.
2: I, I think they got sick of us and we right. got a little tired of them. But uh, you know, when they left, I had those emotions, but not didn't linger as long as it's, they did the first time. <laughs> but it's easier. Uh, yeah, it is and, and and uh you know it's amazing if you mentioned what a year you know difference makes with all this craziness of the pandemic and everything that they have to go through. But yeah, it's uh it you know, it, it it's nice to do some things that you can't do when you have Twenty-year-olds around, although they did leave us, they did drop the mic on how they left the room. So it really kind of reminded me how I hate to say this, how slobs uh, (laughs) the twenty-year-olds can be. But nevertheless, they're on their own, so maybe they'll have a different perspective and uh, be able to have a little bit more respect in how they live.
1: Sure. (laughs) Well, uh, well, best of luck to them. Hey, Um, real quick
2: before we get into this, um, did you see the playoffs? The the beginning of the playoffs last
1: night. Well, um, so yeah, so we're recording Tuesday morning, so uh, yesterday was the the first half of the NBA's playoff games. Uh, The night ended with the Mavericks-Clippers game. That That was a wild game. Uh, So... I, I moved from San Antonio, but obviously I lived in San Antonio for a long time. So I'm, I'm a big Spurs fan. Um, I am also kind of a pseudo Mavericks fan. I'm not this like standard Spurs fan that hates the Mavs. Uh, the Rockets, I don't have a whole lot of love for in my heart. See, and a lot, obviously what I do for a living is centered around Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of yeah. a lot of my Twitter timeline is full of Mavericks fans. So it's just easier for me if I steer into it. And as a result of that, holy crap. People were pissed on Monday night. Kristaps uh, Porzingis uh, should not have been ejected, I think is universally acknowledged. Um, and, uh, man, Luca is something else. Uh, Luca is special. But, see, and here's the thing, Tony. Now you get it. Now you get how annoying Kawhi is. All right? A year ago, it was all... I wasn't even going to
2: mention his name. I was just going to let you... just. I was going to throw that softball up of just... Giving you poking the bear, and then you just you had to mention it. I wasn't even good. I was just going to say it was a great game. You know, the call when Porzingis got ejected uh, could be very, you know, argument over whether he should or shouldn't have. And uh, you know, and, and Luca's amazing, but just the fact that first at the beginning of the game, the Clippers are down sixteen, and then I mean, what is there like five hundred points scored in the first half? I mean, oh, it's yeah. a crazy game and how it finished. And uh, yeah, I think for the most part, my point is is that I had to bring back wow. the LA Clippers because your your favorite player is still on that team, which was that with the Spurs, and then went to the Toronto Raptors last year and won um, won the title, which was it last year?
1: Yes, it was. Damn, it I seems, mean, well, it was it was, was, like it, was been, a, it was over a year ago. I know, but it, it was seems, June. It seems but,
2: like it's been five years ago because of this yeah. whole pandemic. So anyway.
1: Well, um, I'm happy that you are getting to be annoyed. I was by sad the Maverick lost, well. but I mean, nevertheless, I mean,
2: what they when they lost one of their best players through through an ejection, I just thought that Luke had to do too much. He did. He scored 40 points first time. Uh, uh, someone in their debut has scored 40 points, which was a remarkable game. But the Clippers, man, they're for real. Oh, uh, Paul George is no joke, brother.
1: No, nah, he's not. Um, <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> okay. um, the uh, the only That's thing. A lot of cowboy talk. What's- well, so, you know, we've got a couple of Cowboys practices under our belt now to talk about, to analyze, to discuss. And normally, you know, Tony, I look and appreciate the weirdest things when it comes to the NFL. Um, and so, for an example, um, I, the only thing I don't completely love about Luka is that he's number 77. I think that's weird. On, on an NBA player, that's that's just a really that's a big number for an NBA player. To have.
2: Thing, you're talking to a guy that was a lineman all his well, life. Well, but you know, but it
1: voice. it makes it makes sense I it. for. I, always, I
2: thought this out the same thing last night. It's so ironic that you brought it up on like seventy seven. I mean, it's awkward storyline. What's uh, yeah. the backstory of that whole seventy well, seven?
1: He wanted to wear seven, uh, but it escapes me now who had it when the Mavs drafted him. So he just wore seventy seven. Um, and at that this point, enough. I mean, yeah. Well, so that's the kind of crap that I pay attention to. And finally, it is useful because, Tony, the Cowboys quarterbacks, do you ever remember Troy or anybody wearing red practice jerseys? Because this is something that I have done a lot of homework on. All right. Um, A few years ago, I wrote something about Roger Staubach. And uh, one of his daughters DM'd me on Twitter and thanked me for it. And I asked her to ask him because at that time I'd been kind of curious about, it. hey, how come the quarterback's not wearing red jerseys? She asked him. He said he never remembered wearing a red jersey. Uh, two or Three years ago, rather, at Cowboys Camp in Oxnard, I asked Kellen Moore, who was a quarterback at the time, so how come y'all don't wear red jerseys? He said, I don't know. I mean, it's weird, but I think it has to do with tradition. Two years ago, I asked Gil Brandt because I thought if – if anybody knows the answer to this, it's Gil Brandt. He said, we never wore red jerseys. I don't know why. Last year, I got the courage up to walk up, ask Jason Garrett out to the side. He said, well, we don't need to. I mean, the, court, the defensive players know not to hit the quarterbacks. And look, I know that you as a defensive player, Tony, don't need the red jersey to know not to hit the quarterback. However, it has been strange that literally every other football team in the world, I'm sure your high school team at Oklahoma, the quarterbacks wore some kind of different color, but the Cowboys don't do that. However, they do do that now. Mike McCarthy's you know changing things.
2: That, that's what you get on our our show. Is that you get the debate on whether the quarterbacks are wearing a red jersey or a, a dress or a skirt or whatever. Pa- you know, pardon the expressing on that. But if, now that you mentioned, I never have thought about that before. Uh, but I, my rate recollection, I don't remember any of our quarterbacks with the Cowboys ever wearing. Uh, you know. Uh, The shirt, the bullseye. This is do not hit the franchise. So I think we kind of knew that. If you got close, and if you did touch uh, the franchise, you did hit his hand or anything like that. uh, Depends on who you were. You'd either get cut or
1: tell you not to do it again.
2: So, but yeah, that's a great point. I I cannot answer that question. I just think uh, you know the history. You know the history of the Cowboys. They got their own way of operating business. But sure, I need to do some fact checking checking on that.
1: The other thing, and we're going to get to the football of it all. We're going to get to the unfortunate Joe McCoy news uh, shortly. But the other thing, and this, you know, I, I have to start here because I just find it fascinating. Not only are the quarterbacks wearing red jerseys, Tony, but I'll ask you, do you remember your practice jersey? Did it have Casillas on the back? Do you no, remember? no, it, uh, no, it was. Now, well, that that's a little bit was, more normal, right? Like a lot of teams go nameless. Offense, on,
2: defense is blue and the, the
1: offense, offense is, is white. white. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Mike McCarthy, after the first practice, apparently said, you know what? Slap the names on there. So now every dude's got his name on the back of his practice jersey. That is different. I mean, I think maybe he
2: his first year coach and can't remember everyone's name. That's what
1: he said. He said
2: it has something to do with. I think it's like a name tag, right?
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of new coaches, a lot of new players. I mean, it's helpful, but the only thing I want to mention about this, um, <laughs> I, I know and I recognize that Jason Garrett is not the head coach of the New York Giants. I know this, but I find this interesting, Tony. Mike McCarthy's Cowboys, in their first year without Jason Garrett, put the names on the back of the practice jerseys. The New York Giants, in their first year with Jason Garrett, granted as the offensive coordinator, not the head coach, they took the names off of the practice jerseys. Oh, so that's
2: that's uh the Red Jesus's influence already <laughs> for the way <laughs> they do the name on the back of the jerseys. Hey, look, I I think it's it's unique. I think you have to have your your own personality and do things yourself. I think that's different with Mike McCarthy. And I always thought uh, it's hard because when you have a lot of players, even if you know who they are just by seeing them play and everything, sure. else, forget names, you know. You got you know, right now, I mean, they have seventy. I don't know how many players they have right now on the roster. I mean, they have several players that aren't going to be there. But I think it's unique, and I think Mike McCarthy, you know, ten years of seeing the same dude, man, uh, for ten years doing the right. same thing. Uh, you got to have a guy that the sheriff that does a little, th- you know, the little small things differently, and that's just kind of one with him. And I just like the way he delivers. I like his kind of bravado. He's, he sounds like he's got this midwestern type of big husky totally. dude. So I like I like the you know the the persona and everything he's done so far because I think that's the thing with new coaches. You don't really you know you want to get some familiarity with them and figure out the you know what you know how they run things and everything like that. And I think that's unique with with every every coach that starts a, a new regime.
1: It is um I'll say this. So Part of my job is I watch every Cowboys press conference and take what I can out of it. That's literally my job, right? And so I have seen a lot of Jason Garrett press conferences. It's kind of like, um, do you ever like watch a, a like an old VHS so many times that you like wore it out like it literally stopped working or like play a cassette tape over and over and over again? And, oh, yeah. like, that's like
2: that's like music, man. I, right? I, I play the same song over and over.
1: Right. Well, I, so it's my
2: go-to song. So yeah, it's the same thing with VHS. Or, that's
1: that's Jason Garrett, though, right? Like just the same thing over and over and over and over again. And maybe the fact that Mike McCarthy is just not Jason Garrett is. Well, yeah, is I mean, and of and this? What, yeah. He, he so but like he, he, he's because, been I mean,
2: awesome. It's not that it's different. And you, you, I think everybody that that was tired of Jason Garrett, they don't, they don't want to have anything remotely. It, Anything that they do that remotely reminds them of what Jason Garrett did, considering 10 years. I mean, there's people like that. I mean, look, he wasn't successful as a head coach. He did postseason play, so now they're moving on to someone differently. So now you're going to sit here. We can't can't just gripe about what might – I'm not gripe, but just how different the the two coaches are because it's, it's a new regime. It's refreshing. Let's start a new beginning and all the things that go along with that, RJ.
1: So I think an interesting point, and this gets us to the actual football of it all. um, There's been a lot of talk about the Cowboys giving more 3-4 looks than than they had in the past. Obviously, they're still a base 4-3 defense, but uh, I think you would attest, Tony, most NFL defenses can do a little bit of both at the very least. And obviously, playing in a 3-4 front would involve Demarcus Lawrence picking his hand up, standing Mm -hmm. up like an outside linebacker. Uh, Mike McCarthy was asked about this on Monday and uh, I thought this was a great point by Dave Hellman of DallasCowboys.com in talking about that. Mike McCarthy referenced Julius Peppers. He said that he saw Julius Peppers go through that transition same way in his career, um, and that it really helped him. And he, he kind of went on and on and on. But the fact that he put a name to it, the fact that he mentioned Julius Peppers when talking about that example, that alone is a very different thing from Jason Garrett. Because Jason Garrett would have said something like. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we're going to do what we can to, to be the best, etc. But the fact that Mike McCarthy actually kind of, you know, gave you a picture, right? He gave you something to think about in Julius Peppers. That's that's what's kind of different in terms of how they handle press conferences. But uh, we'll start there um, before we get to Joe McCoy. What do you think? Three, four looks The check this out, Tony. The Cowboys are going to start disguising stuff on defense. Pretty, <laughs> pretty bold.
2: Yeah, well, I think that uh, yeah, people. When you look at a defense, I think maybe Rod Marinelli, uh, Chris Richard, uh, whoever was doing the play column were getting a little pre- more, you know too predictable. And I think Mike Nolan's defensive, uh, the history part of it is that they do things differently with different looks. They may they may start with uh, you know the four down lineman and then you know as you mentioned. They have Demarcus uh, Lawrence up in a you know, upstance upstance and going off the edge. They may disguise different looks because the worst thing you want to do is just make it really vanilla—not vanilla, but just you want to put so much confidence in your players to make plays. Whenever you know you have an, a quarterback over there, just you know dissecting you because of the looks and really just not stemming and moving around. And so that's unique, and I think it's a lot easier. It's better for. A defensive player I always liked to build, but we disguise different different looks. Mm-hmm. Where we would call, you know, we'd go into a, a standard defense, and then we'd come up and we'd call, you know, run off a corner blitz or something inside with a game, because those are the things you really want to uh, work on, play mind games with the offense. So I like everything that they're talking about. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting that you've already heard things during in, in training camp of know, uh, I, I heard, uh, I think it was Cheeto uh, was talking about you know, the way that they were, you, you know, more aggressive. I think it creates right. aggressiveness. And really, if you talk about the takeaways, that's the things you want to do is you want to make great opportunities by, you know, giving them a look that maybe that they're going to, you know, you're going to check out and do something differently. But right. quarterbacks asking him, hey, so what were you doing out of that look? You know, something that you haven't heard. And maybe that's just, you know, that's a little noise coming and just, you know, them trying to. Uh, you know, work and, and, and figure things out. But I think that's a very positive thing to look at because the, the the worst thing you want to do for defense, RJ, and everyone listening out there, is you want to set you know, it in, in, a, in a front and stay in it. And right. especially if you don't maybe have the personnel to do that. And also utilize the personnel that you have because everyone, if you're standing in front of Tyrone Smith or if you're standing right in front of the, the you know, the, you know, the, the interior offensive line, and all you're doing is running into a wall and you're not really, I would say, strategic. you're making their job a lot easier, and, and yeah. that's the thing, you don't want to make their job easier. Those guys are too good and too smart on that side of the ball.
1: No, I think, um, you know, what we're seeing is the willingness to um, to scheme, right, like to scheme I
2: tell, t- tell you who really likes it is DeMarcus Lawrence. I mean, yeah. there's a
1: dude in, you know and
2: in in, in in the in his peripheral every he can see things a lot better too without you know i know you've been in a three-point stance before but go of you know, after we do our show just go go on your kitchen and go up outside and line up in a three-point stance and see what you can see compared to when you're standing up. <laughs> uh,
1: I agree. Um, and and we've seen, like, DeMarcus Lawrence has the athleticism to make plays as an outside linebacker. Uh, you mentioned Cheeto; He talked about DeMarcus Lawrence getting an interception a couple seasons ago. I mean, that's that's the type of, not every defensive lineman can do that, but DeMarcus Lawrence certainly can. Um, you know, you mentioned Tyron Smith. I think the best example of, how this was a flaw in the previous coaching staff is the Chaz Green game, and obviously that was a really bad game and everything. But the the reason that was a bad game was because the Cowboys coaching staff said, "Okay, Chaz Green, Tyron Smith is out. You're in. You got to beat your guy." You know, and and that was it. Like it was, you know, wait, it, wait,
2: wait, wait. Why did you have to bring that up? I know people that are listening. To our podcast is probably just, what? <laughs> it's just having really this bad uh, relapse on what happened. Well, because what was the defensive lineman he made all pro in that one game? It was
1: uh, Adrian Claiborne.
2: Um, I think he made $500,000 in incentives off Chaz Green. I
1: sure hope he sent him a little something in the mail. It was, but so the reason I bring (laughs) that up is, is because. Now on the other side of the ball defensively you know the Cowboys used to be coached this is this is a real thing uh, Chris Richards scheme as far as the secondary went was all about keeping everything in front of you no aggression whatsoever and I don't think this is a bad thing, but we can acknowledge that the Cowboys' defense doesn't have a lot of talent in the secondary. And so, how do you make up for that? Well, you make up for that by taking chances, by being aggressive, and you can be aggressive on, a, you know, as as a defensive secondary when you have an offense. That can score a lot because, you know, man, you know what? If we get burned right here, we're trying to pick off the ball. We're trying to create a turnover. We're trying to, you know, create a splash mm-hmm. play, whatever the case may yeah. be. And if we fail, we know that this offense can back us up. It's, it's a different mentality, which is what we've all been wanting to see for so long. Um, we, we have to get to it now, Tony. Um, We're talking on Tuesday. It's been, at the time of this recording at least, just under 24 hours since Gerald McCoy was lost for the season for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The first padded practice of the year suffered a ruptured right quad tendon. Uh, Just before we started recording, Gerald McCoy uh, posted a video on Instagram noting that he was about to have surgery. Here is what Gerald McCoy had to say.
0: Good morning, everybody.
2: I got to do this quick because I'm supposed to be changing. I just want to say, uh, I'm still smiling. Surgery's about to happen um, to my teammates, and coaches, y'all gonna get it. Got a championship to go in to all my family and friends. I love you guys To all the fans, stay tuned. Keep smiling, keep rooting, keep loving, here we go. Oh, I got to show you my feet. I'm bear, bear. I couldn't come in
1: here looking weak. Let's get it. So, Gerald McCoy is going to have surgery, Tony. Um, he's lost for the season. Have you ever had, uh, first question for you, any injury similar to this? Uh, any, no, any,
2: not, not to uh, that degree of in, in what he was doing. It was like an individual drill. And uh, was he working? Uh, he's working against Antoine Woods, just going through, to me, like a little – he was giving a look to offensive lineman to – for him and
1: yeah, simulating just, an offensive line. Yeah, they were going well. through
2: individual drills and in nothing full speed. And when I first saw him, I thought, you know, he goes, Antoine Woods goes into him and kind of like gives him a stab move or, or some type of simulated defensive move. And it looked to me that Gerald just almost looked like he was flopping. He was going back. And next thing you know, he's grabbing his, his knees and pain, grimacing in pain. And when the news broke, um, you know, my first initial thoughts was heartbreak. I mean, sure. I, I don't care who it is. Uh, to be able to to go through, you know, everything and you know, go to a new beginning, and also that the way it happened. I mean, that was very anticlimactic. I mean, nothing nothing really was, uh, you know. Yeah, like you you,
1: you look at it and say, like, how could he have been safer? And it's hard to answer that because right. it, it, it's difficult to say. It
2: looked like he got his you know his foot caught in the in the ground and. And that's the thing about these injuries with, you know, it was a torn quadricep tendon, which sounds just excruciating, excruciating, painful. Uh, but that's some of these injuries that happen, are gee, How many times we have seen guys just, you know, make a cut and tore, tear an right. ACL? And this for Gerald McCoy, which I think so many expectations, so many expectations for himself, uh, just, you know, starting uh, – starting over. I mean, you know, he came from Carolina and going to a team that's, you know, that's got the brand of the Cowboys and he's so excited about being here. And just like that, one little misstep and the season's over.
1: You know, um, you say that he's so excited about being a Cowboy and and we hear that a lot. Right. Um, and, And sometimes that's just lip service. And sometimes that's just, you know, that's just talk in the case of Gerald McCoy he really was excited to be a Dallas Cowboy. Um, I saw Kyle Yeomans, uh, friend of the show from DallasCowboys.com, tweeted this video out. When, when the schedule came out, um, the DallasCowboys.com guys, they had Joe McCoy on, you know, the schedule release show and everything. And he talked about how, to this point, he really had not played that many national games, you know, mostly obviously with Tampa Bay. Um, they played actually, I believe, if I'm correct, on Sunday Night Football once when he was a Buccaneer and ironically that game was against the Cowboys. That was the first night that Ezekiel Elliott ever jumped into the kettle, uh, back in twenty sixteen. And so to Joe McCoy, it was like, man, I get to play on primetime all the time. Like the whole world's going to get to see me and this is awesome, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, that, that's that's one aspect of it. Obviously, I think a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him as a football player this season. Um, I, I, I know I speak for you, Tony, in saying that we wish him the very best. We hope he gets well soon. Uh, Mike McCarthy did mention that Uh, Or Steven Jones mentioned, excuse me, that this was pretty much season ending, that he was not a candidate to return from injured reserve, uh, which is just a huge bummer. But at the very least, I suppose the Cowboys at least know that they are not going to have Joe McCoy, uh, which leads us to what do they do? Uh, They've got Don Terry Poe, obviously a defensive tackle. And, and, you know, these are not necessarily the same things, uh, but they've got Don Terry Poe. Who's yet to practice? Right. They've got Neville Gallimore, uh, Mm -hmm. 7'5 himself from Oklahoma. Uh, They've got uh, Tristan Hill, who was super awesome his rookie year, obviously. Um, And uh, they've got other options that people is really good at
2: sleeping indeed. Right.
1: Shout out to Isaiah Thomas. Um they've also got um I suppose if you want to include these options they've technically got the option of Tyrone Crawford. Some people also want to see them kick Alden Smith inside because Alden Smith is weighing in at 280. Um so people think that maybe that's a possibility. Um I think Tony um and I think a lot of people share this opinion as sad as this is, and it's super sad, it's devastating, it's awful, it is a huge loss for the Cowboys. I think that they are well-equipped to handle this as far as their depth is concerned.
2: Yeah, I think now they are when you, it's next man up and, you know, considering who they have and guys are, you know, Tristan Hill, I mean, this is an opportunity for him to get more reps because before this happened, um, I I think everyone thought that he would probably be the odd man out because you're talking about five defensive tackles. Now this is his chance to really, really take advantage of getting the reps, and that's another thing with this, you know, short-lived, uh, I guess, season that when I or no preseason is that there's no evaluation. I mean, you're going right. to, the evaluation you're getting is in practice, and we know that that's an evaluation in practice is nothing like going live. So, right. so this is a time for him, and then also you mentioned Paul which
1: will be back, but. There's also Antoine Woods, who Antoine Woods, yeah. When we did the 53-man roster projection here on the show, and we covered the defensive line, we left him off. Uh, I know I was kind of singing that song louder than you were, mostly because I mean we know that they're only going to carry four defensive tackles, and you know you, you get to four and it's hard. But you're right, this whether it was Antoine, whether it was Tristan Hill, what whichever one was going to get cut is is now you know pretty safe, I'd say.
2: Well, I think it's all about who stays healthy. And, 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 and look, this was just a, just a huge blow, losing Gerald McCoy. Um, and, and really just you're starting and you're just deflated. Uh, but, you know, that's the business of, you know, playing NAS- you know, in the National Football League. This happens. And obviously you didn't want it to, the story to end like this. But, um, you know, you mentioned Alden Smith, which is, you know, I've heard and everything I've read and seen. I mean, he's looking like a man in, you know, in, in one-on-one pass rush, is really, really, as you mentioned, 280 pounds, and just a guy recommitted to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyron Crawford is another guy that hasn't been on the field because he's, you know, he's had uh, surgery in the off season. Right. Um, so I think if you look at the depth, I think they're good because really, if you keep four defensive linemen inside, if I say DTs, I think when you look at, across the board, uh, Everson and Griffin. I mean, that was a huge to me. Was just a great. A, you know, 10 year vet and what he's done. Uh, so, if you keep all those guys healthy, I mean, you got enough rushers, I believe. And you mentioned all of sure. them putting them inside and really, you know, create mismatches. I think you're going to be good with the the interior part. You can't afford any more injuries. I mean, who can? Right. Um, so, uh, right now, yeah, I think once you get off the novelty of just losing Gerald McCoy, you're like, man, really? I mean, to that, because that's a thing it's just as an athlete you like you train your ass off the whole off season sure i mean you're out there cutting you're doing all these drills and you that happens i mean it's a freak injury no i I think i think they're good right now i think um i mean you can't you can't push the panic button right now
1: no i agree and Um, Mike McCarthy has said, you know, when he talked about Everson Griffin, you know, why'd you guys sign Everson Griffin? He said, well, it's a long season, you know, I mean, and the reality of football is guys are going to get hurt, whether it's for a week or two weeks, a month, whatever, maybe you're going to lose guys for the year, unfortunately, but it it is a battle of attrition. And so that's why the Cowboys, I I think it's strange because if you ask me, maybe like an hour before the Everson Griffin signing, I would have said, look, at defensive tackle, Cowboys are set. they got a lot of bodies. They're they're really good to go. They've got Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe at the top. But at edge rush, I'm definitely concerned because they have Demarcus Lawrence and then really nothing else. Now, I mean, here we sit, you know, almost a week into the Everson Griffin thing and edge rush feels awesome, right? Oh, we got Demarcus Lawrence, got Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, maybe. Who knows? Joe Jackson, Dorrance Armstrong, maybe Randy Gregory. Who knows? And the Joe McCoy news really kind of takes the air out of the defensive tackle balloon. Um, It it is it just is such a bummer. I, I I don't know I don't know how you like you're saying well, it, it's it's hard to square in your mind because it was such an accident you know it's 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 tough
2: yeah and he's such a I and mean, you you know he's supposed to be such an impactful player this year and you know things like that happen to you know happen happens all the time and 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 again I think the magnitude or just the lack of magnitude of the injury. I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, I cannot imagine just taking a step back and, you know, I blow my quadricep tendon out. I mean, that doesn't happen. And I I think it's my my thing, and also I'm looking not just with the Cowboys, around the league, Mm -hmm. is how this pandemic and how the lack of, you know, OTAs and off-season workouts, and once they get into their first padded practice, and which the Cowboys did yesterday, are we going to see a – a wide range of injuries, just yeah. Soft of, tissue I, injuries, yeah. Yes, because and in, and in, in, you know because we're always like way down the fact that there's so many preseason games, but we really don't put the emphasis on what they do in OTAs and everything else because the collective bargaining agreement has really been in favor of the players of today just because of the physicality of it. But now, um, again, I mean, it, maybe it's it's just bad luck. I mean, hell, think no. about it. You, I mean, he needed those double sevens. He needs Luka Doncic's jersey because that was. Hellacious bad luck.
1: No, and and you know what? That is people discount that. Like people, when whenever they talk about anything in the NFL, it's well, how many how many Super Bowls does he have? Whatever. The reality is that luck is a big part of success in in anything really, man. Right. And, and you can't measure it. You can't quantify Mm -hmm. it, but luck, luck is definitely a factor. Um, and I, you know, you mentioned how things are going to be. Here's something I've been wondering about. Um, our, our friend, Jane Slater has been Mm -hmm. all over Des Bryant having a workout with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, she's been reporting it for a long time. They mentioned it on, on their podcast, her and Bobby belt, the boys and a girl podcast. Um, but, So as I understand it, you know, the the word really kind of took off on Monday about um, about Des having a workout with the Ravens. But he has to go through covid protocols and the workout itself might not be able to happen until Thursday because he's got a test negative and all this stuff As we're all well aware. My question is, okay, what if that happens in the middle of a week? Right. Like I'm talking like it's week five. And you need a new whatever, whether it's a wide receiver like Des Bryant or whoever. And, and by the way, I hope Des, you know, gets on with the Ravens and hope that I works do too. I've
2: become I mean, more of a, a fan of Des Bryant just for the last couple of years, just the way uh, he's handled things. It seems to me sure. he's like matured on social media. So best uh, of luck to him. I
1: hope he finds the lands him a job somewhere. And he would look sick in a Ravens uniform, by the way. Um he would look that, that black helmet and black visor, he would look awesome. But anyway, uh, that's a whole different point. My my point is. What, what happens if it's week five and Monday morning you're like, oh, okay, we need a new insert position here, right? Uh, well, uh, so-and-so, you live in, I don't know, California. We need you to fly over here because we need to work you out, right? We're going to work you out just to see if we want to sign you. And, uh, so that person's got to test negative a couple of times. And if you don't get to work them out until Thursday, by Thursday, you're halfway through your install for your week six game. That just seems so difficult. And that kind of, to me, uh, puts even more of an emphasis on luck and stuff like that, that is going to be a factor in 2020. This is, um, the, the McCoy thing is just, it's, it's a bummer, man. It's a huge bummer.
2: Well, it is. And, and I think that's the the era we live in the pandemic uh, bubble that we try to, uh, you know, create for, for guys. And, and and I guess if you're a guy looking for a job like Des and you want to play, you better make sure you're in a bubble yourself because you don't want right. to be expose yourself. And there's no, there's not this urgency anymore. I mean, remember the days when they're like, okay, we're going to bring some guy in tomorrow and fly him in and we'll sign him the next day. No, 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 You can't. You can't. And, and, and all the NFL, all the teams have to deal with that. and, so I, I think it's just the, the things that you struggle through and navigate through this year. I mean, it has been a, a, a really, really sucky 2020, and we hope uh-huh. you know. With football, uh, and look, I think that that's what I've been fascinated with basketball, RJ. I don't know about you, but I haven't missed the fans because of the basketball that's been playing. And maybe it's a the way they did the logistics with the the fans and just the, the virtual fans. fans I don't yeah, have yeah. Even noticed the fans not being there because the basketball, there's been so much energy by the players. I don't know if you can do that for football because there'll be fans there and it's it's not as intimate, but I mean, it, it is, it, you know, it was a pleasant surprise to see what we've seen with basketball. And I just hope football will continue and navigate through all the protocol and all of the logistics and finally be able to get on the field so we can watch them play.
1: I agree with that generally. Um, I think – so, I'll say this. I've, I've I've watched a lot more baseball at this point throughout the season than I normally ever have. and in in the normal view, I honestly, there are times where like, you know, I'll be doing something and I'll look up and check the TV. and I'll forget that you know, there are no fans because they've got the cardboard cutouts and stuff like behind home plate and whatever. right. Um, and so I think baseball's done the best job in that respect. Um, but but one thing to that point, Is and I I truly have forgotten who um, who made this point first, but I saw this on Twitter maybe like a week ago. What what kind of ruins it is, you know that happens, and then whoever you know hits a fly ball out to right field, and then when the camera pans out to right field, not every seat has a cardboard cutout, so then you're reminded, right, like oh this the stadium's empty because there's no fans here, and that kind of like that kind of breaks the glass for you. Um, What I think the NBA's done successfully is they built this really Uh, specific venue. Xbox Arena. Right, exactly. And so like, it's impossible for you to not get lost in what they're doing. And so I think that, that, I think that, Football will have more of the baseball effect where when the game is going on, you know, and and because generally you don't see a lot of fans, like if they layer off the first couple of rows, you know, I don't know that you'll really notice it. Uh, But as long as like, you know, when they come back from commercials and stuff, they don't cut to show like the end zones or, you know what I mean? Things like that. Like the the part that's going to really spook us, I think, and I just realized this right now is when they're kicking field goals and extra points. Cause then we're going to see, unless they put cardboard fans in, in the end zone seats, That's when we'll be like, ah, yeah, there's no fans here.
2: Well, Uh, I I think that, you know, with baseball, there's not as much energy. It's, you know, I I think in some places you go to maybe. But I think in basketball, there's this ton of energy back and forth. You can pipe the noise in. Football's the same way. To me, I think it's more of a more intense game, if you will. I mean, how many times we complain about baseball being too long to watch? Not the slight baseball. I mean, I like baseball, but I'm talking about as far as for the viewer. I just think that the way that they're able to control the noise and everything else, the energy and all that, I mean they can make it they can produce it a lot easier. I think mm-hmm. that's the point I'm trying to make.
1: No, I agree. Um, well, I'm excited. I, I've I haven't been this um, immersed, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. Um in in, in like different sports you know like i in the last few months i've had you know i've I've gone into my pga mode you know what i mean i've gone into like just a specific basketball mode or whatever but it does feel like you know like i open my score app or whatever and there's a lot of stuff to check you know what i Go mean and so that feels good uh tony as we sit here it is tuesday august 18th there are 26 days between now and the season opener between the cowboys and the rams that is nuts
2: yeah that's crazy well, I, I think I got double f- fingers crossed. I'm hoping everything is going navigate through that way, and I, I think that's a reality part of it. I, I thought that uh, it was an interesting point. I think I heard David Moore, which you know does covers the Cowboys. Yeah, great, great um, Dallas, Dallas
1: Morning News, and yeah, t- yeah, Dallas Morning News.
2: He was talking about this time last year, the Cowboys are, have already played their second preseason game, or getting ready to play their second preseason game, and right. they haven't. They just started pad and, you know, practice last week and just started the first pad of practice yesterday. Man, isn't it crazy what time has done and this whole era and pandemic we're living? It's crazy. So to your point, 26 days away, uh, Ac- I am giddy about it and I am excited about it.
1: And you know what, to the David Moore point, if if things had stayed the way they were, they would have already played two preseason games. Uh, this exactly. year because of the pro football hall of fame game. Right. So Jimmy Johnson would have a gold jacket and mm-hmm. a bronze bath. Yeah. It's just um, these are crazy times. Uh my ba- my dog Bear is is pissed off that Jimmy didn't get a chance to get Hey, his He's pretty butt.
2: good though. Usually he's yapping through the once a biscuit already. Yeah. So um Why but you it, feed that dog.
1: I will. That that means it's time to get out of here. Uh Tony, great show as always everybody we will be back next week have a good one this was the 750